Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I am your host, Whitney Sewell. First, thank you again, our listeners, for being here today. I'm so grateful, uh, personally grateful that you are here every day and listening to the show, and I hope that it is educational and helping you. Today, our show is a little different. I had a friend reach out and had questions about podcasting. He and his business partner are planning to start a podcast. I've known this guy for a few years now and wanted to help him and answer some questions. But I said, hey, we're going to record it as a podcast because I get these questions numerous times a week. And so I thought, why not answer them on a Zoom call where we can put that out to all our listeners as well. So if you are looking to start a podcast or you're wondering just some of the first questions about the automation side or maybe niching down and who your audience should be, some things to think about. This is going to be a great show for you. Or if you're just trying to become a thought leader in any space, really, even outside of real estate, it's going to be helpful. Or if you're fixing to start a YouTube channel or a blog, it's still going to be very helpful. Just some things for you to think through. You just had a few basic questions and I wanted to just share that with the listeners. Also, know that I'm also helping a few select people with podcasting, really just handing over our systems. You know, we've created over a thousand shows in the last few years and obviously doing a daily podcast, we've automated it as much as possible. And that doesn't come easy, just figuring out those systems and processes. But if that is something you are interested in, you can always email us at info at lifebridgecapital.com or you can also email me, Whitney at lifebridgecapital.com. And we'd love to just see if it's a good fit. We're producing shows for some people now as well. If that's something you're interested in, just send me an email and we'll schedule a call and try to figure out if it's something that we can help you with. But I hope the show is helpful and have a blessed day. So yeah, we are thinking about doing podcasts, Winnie, and we want to do something that's more niche specific. We're thinking about maybe mobile home parks and RV parks because that's the niche that we want to focus. And we're like, you know what? Let's just, you know, have great guests to come on the show and have a great conversation that we otherwise would not have the opportunity to speak with. And somehow if our conversation can spark interest to other people and be helpful to them, that's even better. And also, right, along the way, we might be able to meet more joint venture partners, be able to meet more investors along the way. So again, that's sort of super high level thinking. I don't know how sort of mature that is. And in terms of podcast winning, I mean, gosh, I mean, you've been doing daily podcasts, which might, you know, hats down, you know, to you. And I just wonder in terms of the infrastructure, right? I mean, one vision that I have to share with my business partner is that if we can spend 90, 95% of the time of the entire podcast on nothing but to talking to the guest and have an infrastructure build so that everything else can get automated, such as scheduling and editing and publishing, all that's the that'd be so cool. But that's just our vision. We have no idea how to get there. But so just wonder from the infrastructure perspective, if there's anything that you can share, you know, in that regard. Yeah. So first, I was writing down some of your questions there and some thoughts that I had. So first, yes, you have to niche down. And the more you niche down, the better. 
99% of the time, you know, people's big concern is, well, I won't be able to find enough guests, right? Or I won't, you know, I won't be able to reach enough people if I get too niche down. And majority of the time, that's completely false. Mm-hmm. And that thought process is completely false because, you know, to think that you need a million followers is incorrect right. to having a successful business or even the ability to raise capital or to provide value to your investors. It's not accurate, right? So that's why, you know, having like 2000 true followers is difficult to get to like, and I mean, somebody that man, they know who you are. They know, you know, they're going to follow you. They want to listen to every show you write a book, man, they are buying it immediately. Right. You know, if you're going to be at a conference, they're going to try to go to meet you or to hear you speak or those things. Right. So those are true followers, or maybe they're, you know, they're trying to get on a call with you as soon as possible, or they are, you know, wanting to invest in every project that you have. So those are, you know, I'd say even a thousand of those is difficult to get to, right? That really want to know everything about you, trust everything you say. But that's the value of niching down though, because you're going to focus on those people, you know, but there's going to be so many others through that process though, that that are not in your focus, right? They may listen to a few shows. They follow you a little bit on and off. They're kind of wishy-washy. You know, they catch you a little bit here on a show and then they forget about you for a month and then they might see a title that they like and then they come back and listen every once in a while. You know, but that's okay, right? They may invest with you or they may buy your book or they may, you know, whatever along the way, but that's really not your focus. And when they decide to leave, it's okay because they're not that true follower, right? It's not that big a deal. But the thing is though, when you can have your messaging that clear for that person, that is that true follower, like they're going to have so much more loyalty to you and you're going to grow so much faster. They're going to tell their, you know, their friends who are also most likely going to fit that niche or that dynamic that you've created, right? And want to follow you even that much more. So all that to say, you know, do you know that? Do you know who you're trying to reach? Do you know what your real purpose is in having a podcast? I think there are a few ideas, Whitney, that we are trying to reach in a few different purposes. But if I were to just name one thing, I think it's difficult at this point, but what you just said is so good for us to think about. What would be the top, would you say, the top two or maybe two, like two or maybe three demographics that are, you know, either you or someone else you know on the podcast trying to reach? Because I can think of potential investors. I can think of potential joint venture partners wanting to do business with us. I can think of, well, I mean, one niche is too broad as someone who just have a general interest in the RV park space, but I think that's too broad. What would be like some good target niche audience description that, you know, you might be able to share with me that can just give me more ideas? Yeah, that's a great question. And I mean, again, it's going to be focused on who you're trying to reach, right? You know, and thinking through that. I mean, obviously, for so many of us, you know, like myself, it is you know, high net worth individuals, right? I mean, we're looking for passive investors. We're trying to add value to them, trying to educate them. But I would say niche down even more than that. And for us, it's, you know, obviously we niche down because we're in real estate and then we're also focused on syndication, right? You know, commercial real estate. But I would say for the majority of podcasts, especially if you're doing a weekly show or even, even twice a week, I would niche down again. You know, and in your case, it's mobile home parks, right? Or, or maybe even say mom and pop, mobile home parks or properties. There's some other way that you should try to niche down there to focus on. Because even if it's passive investors you're trying to find or to connect with, there's many of them who just want to invest in mobile home parks or small multifamily or like whatever your niche is, right? Whatever your niche in the real estate business is, or even your structure, 
because you're doing something a little different, you know, than some as far as the structure of your business, like we talked about ahead of time. So even that could be a niche, right? It's something, some way that you have structured your business to benefit the LPs, the passive investors, and that could help you to think through niching down even more, right? Like those are the people that want to listen to Jeff because, man, you know, they love the types of deals you're doing and they're learning more about them. Right. You know, as you're speaking on your podcast, as you're interviewing other people, you know, about the business, you know, that's where your conversation is going to go. So for me, it is, it's syndication. It's, you know, we're obviously commercial real estate and I'm focused on passive investors, typically high net worth individuals. It's a little different doing a daily show, like I said, because I could have niched down again, but it's hard enough as it is to find 30 guests a month. Right. You know, it's a big task for our team. It always has been. It's gotten easier over time as the show has, you know, gained more popularity, but still, you you know, it's still a big task. Yep. And so I hope that's helpful, but still it's narrowing down thinking about, you know, you can even think, like I said, about your specific type of business, your structure, your focus in real estate and, and really niche on that kind of investor that's going to come into that, want that kind of deal, right? What's important to them and those are going to be things that I'm going to mention or try to mention in my language about the podcast or the description or the shows, you know, and those things. Man, this is so good. And I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned this because it is so good because it does, like you said, really narrow down more and more. But the people actually fits all those criteria will be really loyal to the content. And a few right. other things that I just thought about other than what you said, high net worth individual who's interested in some alternative asset class, such as mobile home park and RV park. It's not like super sexy class, but the cash flow is great. Who's looking who's not looking to park their money long-term five to 10 years, but who's looking for that kind of money velocity to turn their money around. And another component I've thought about is both my partner and I, we share so much value, such as our family, you know, our faith and our mindset in terms of the who, not how to build infrastructure so that we're having a business serving us other than us serving the business. So almost every decision that we make in our business is such that how can we use automation? How can we use outsource? How can we, you know, network with other joint venture partners such that we only focus on our unique ability to make the pie bigger for everyone? So I think that might attract some potential joint venture partners to see, hey, we are here to build a business, but business is just a means to an end. You know, I don't know how that's going to integrate it, but I think that gives us some pretty good ideas in terms of the type of people we're trying. At the end of the day, I think if people are interested in all those five or six filters, they're just going to be like us because that's like who we are. You know, we like that niche. We like them. That's right. We like people that are like us, right? That's definitely who you're going to attract over time. You talked about automating processes. You asked me about that earlier. So like 95% of your time for the podcast is just in the interview, right? You know, only 5% that's on just the things you have to do to produce a show, right? And that's what I've had to do. That's what I've done from the very beginning, especially doing a daily show. I knew that was one of the benefits of doing a daily show, honestly, was I knew from the beginning that I could not do everything else, right? It just wasn't even an option. So I had to build a team ahead of time. I had to have other people. I've never edited the first piece of audio or video, or I've never posted the first show. I've never posted the first show on social media, much less on our you know, the platform that syndicates it out to, you know, iTunes and all this. I mean, I've never done any of that and I don't want to, right? It's not the best use of my time. It's not the best use of your time. And you can find people, guess what, that are a lot better at it than you'll ever be, right? And will do a better job. And that's why you want to use them for these things. But even bigger than that, because your time is too valuable, 
right? You need to be focused on other tasks. So automating that process is crucial. You know, we added a button on the website that says apply to be a guest on the show. Like, why not? You know, and that allows people to us to even direct people there. If we don't know them, then we have some questions there to just figure out, you know, try to vet them a little bit to figure out if they are a good potential guest, right? Do they have the experience? Do they have value that they can add to our listeners? And it's hard to do that for 30 a month. It's very difficult, but we try our best to ensure they're going to be a good guest, right? And that's just one way as they're coming in, if they're not somebody that we personally invited. But it starts with finding those guests, right? And we've automated this process as much as possible. And we've had to, right? Especially doing as many as we do. But finding the guests is obviously pretty manual, right? There has to be somebody that's like, that's searching, that's finding. And new podcasts, I would have to say it's, it's pretty easy, right? If it's about commercial real estate, you can search my website and find you know, a thousand guests now, you know, but even you can narrow that down by mobile home parks. You can narrow that down by self-storage or you can narrow it. You know, there's all kinds of ways you can search just on my website and find hundreds of guests that would probably be great guests for your show, right? Or find other podcasts that are similar and find great guests, right? Right off the bat. And even after that, it's going to be LinkedIn. It's going to be Burger Pockets. It's going to be you know, Facebook, you know, in general and doing some searches or even other types of say conferences, you know, that are focused around your niche. You can find tons of people that would be great guests, right? And in groups that they're in. I mean, it just leads from one thing to the other. And even at the end of an interview, you know, you can ask, is there anyone else in your on your team even, or that you know, that would be a great guest for the show? You know, I'd be very grateful for that. But back on automating the process, you know, we have a script or like a template, obviously, that my person sends out after she finds, you know, numerous potential good guests. She sends them a template. But after that point, it's all automated, right? You know, obviously, uh, there's a scheduling link. It's automated with Zoom. Even them submitting their bio and their headshot, all that is part of that automated process. There's a way for them to upload it there. Then it's in our CRM and she knows how to, where to find it. She also you know, is in charge of ensuring she gets those bios, right? She writes all my intros, you know, for every day that I have a recording day. Uh, so it's not uncommon now. So early on, I might do 12 to 15 shows in one day, just back to back to back to back, right? And now I'll do six or eight shows a day, usually every week. Sometimes I'll do one or two others here and there. But the important thing is, is that she writes all those intros for me, right? And they're laid out, they're the date, the show number, the guest name, the intro, usually like a three-point bio, something short. Your listeners don't want to hear you just reading a bio, you know, learn that the hard way, you know, say something short and sweet, and then even let the listener elaborate, you know, if they want, right? But it's better to hear them talking about it than you just reading something. Majority of the time, right? You want to hit some highlights so you are catching the listener's attention, right? They know kind of what it's going to be about, but then move on into the show, right? But back to my assistant that's in charge of the podcast production. I mean, she writes all those intros and I just have them all there. You know, that morning of my interview days, I pull that open. I start going through the intros, reading them, obviously making sure I can pronounce names and making sure I can pronounce the business names. And so that way I'm at least making a mental note or even writing it down. Hey, I need to ask this guest how to pronounce their business. Like maybe, you know, it's not, obvious, you know, and I want to say it right, especially their name. If it's not something I've read before or heard before, I want to make sure I'm saying it the best I can. And I want to ask them what their unique ability is. I want to ask what their superpower is. And I learned this the hard way by being a guest on someone else's show, you know, where they gave me no notice. We were on a Zoom call similar to this. And he's just like, why don't we record a show? And I said, well, I've got 10 minutes. He's like, we can do it in 10 minutes. And I said, okay, you know, let's just do it. But it was a few years ago now, but still, there was no preparation. I was not prepared for it. 
he didn't know even what my skill sets were and asked me completely random things that were outside of my skill set or my focus in the business. And so that really did him, his listeners and me an injustice. You know, it didn't help anyone. Right. And so just because of that lack of preparation, but that one question can set you a long ways down the road of having a lot better interview and focused conversation. Right. Well, you know, with that guest, they're going to be more comfortable. Some of the guests are very nervous, you know, if they haven't been interviewed much. And so when they can talk about things they're passionate about and they're really good at that they do day in and day out, it's so much easier for them. Right. And they're going to add more value, you know, to you and the listeners. So think through that a little bit, but automating the process, she has all those intros there. And obviously, you know, that helps me be prepared for the day. And then as soon as those are completed, you know, they automatically upload, you know, they sync through Google Sync to certain folders in the in our drive that that is shared with that team, right? I have a team now that produces our podcast, you know, that, that does every part of the podcast, some full-time people that are audio editors and video editors and copywriters and a lady that's in charge of monitoring and managing all those other people, right? And the podcast. But she also does the intros. And so once I record it, those are uploaded. You know, we have a master sheet that we track all these things and track what's happening. And then they go to work. Ultimately, you know, we lay out a process that this is what has to happen first in that chain of events. And this is next and this is next. And so the whole team knows, you know, what's done or where they're at and whatnot. And then I can also monitor at a higher level much faster, right? I can see on there what's been done. And so very important that some of that is laid out to automate that process. But obviously, there does have to be some oversight, especially in the beginning. Absolutely. And other than assistant, which seems like she's doing a lot of, you know, from the guest and the intro blade of groundwork, did you guys use any sort of third-party, you know, company to do the post-interview editing, et cetera, or is all done in-house? So personally, I built a team of virtual assistants. I had four from all over the world and plus one in the States that was helping me manage it when I first started. Okay. And then I did 170 to 200 shows that way. And honestly, my audio editor got to where he couldn't keep up. He got down to like one or two shows ahead. And he was the first chain in that event of things that had to happen to produce a show. Right. And so, and he had done great up to that point, but he got to where he couldn't keep up. And I just said, you know what? We've got to make a change here. Doing a daily show, you, you got to be further ahead than that. And so finally I did, I had to, I moved to a production company that I was very unhappy with. They also could not keep up, even though they were doing it for a living. I was very surprised. So you got to do some due diligence there, obviously, if you're going to hire a production company, depending on your output of shows, right? You got to make sure they're ready to keep up. And then I also switched. I moved to another production company then that did a great job for a long time. But just to reduce expenses, but also to produce a lot better show, I've also brought it back in-house. So I've hired another team of experts and that's all they do. And they're just doing it for me, you know, at the moment, maybe one or two other people we're doing a few shows for, but still, you know, our goal is not to produce a bunch of shows for a bunch of people. We have offered that, you know, and doing that for a little bit, but really our goal is to be able to produce our show a lot better, right? And have more control, more hands-on on that, but it's not a must, you know, you can find companies that are really good at it. Sure. Would you recommend when you from the very beginning? I love the fact that you did you did not edit any single episode of your show from day one. That definitely shows that you have that mindset, right? From going in, I want this process to be automated. Would you recommend us to have those brought in in-house? Because we have a VA and we have a you know executive assistant right now. Or would you recommend, hey, you know what? Let's just outsource everything to some professional and let them handle it. What's we're probably gonna do a weekly show? you know, at this point? And what's your recommendation? In-house versus outsource? Yeah. A weekly show, you're probably going to outsource. 
you know, most of the post-production stuff. So, you know, a weekly show, your assistant can find guests and probably write intros and kind of manage that process, you know, for four people a month, you know, just to be honest, that's not going to be very difficult, right? That's just not, it's not going to add that much time to your assistant, most likely, mm-hmm. you know, if they're full-time, depending on how much they're working for you, I assume they're full-time, but I shouldn't have assumed that. And so yeah, if, yeah. you know, if somebody, if she can even add a little time to, if she's part-time, you know, it's not going to be difficult to do that on a weekly basis to find a guest to stay ahead and make sure you're getting their intros and bios and things like that. But the production side for a weekly show, I would say outsource it, you know, and then as you grow, you know, maybe you find somebody that has audio and video editing ability, you know, all in one person or, you know, that you could hire to work for you, maybe even part-time just to do that, you know, so you can then have more control. But at least initially, it's so important just to get it launched right? It's just so important to get started. And so the first few shows, you know, are not going to be the best, most likely, right? Everybody's going to be nervous. You know, you're just going to be a little more difficult talking and just the flow of the conversation, things like that. And that's just going to get better over time, right? Your 20th show is going to be a lot better than your first. Your 50th show is going to be a lot better than your 20th. But guess what? You got to have the first one first, you know? It just has to start that way, right? You're not going to start at number 20, but you have to get started to improve, you know, in that process. You know, I would say I wouldn't bring all that in-house, you know, just for a weekly show, but I would focus on getting started and having a team that understands that process very well and can manage it and produce it very well is going to take so much off your plate that, hey, you can go focus on more deals, finding deals, you know, working with your investors, you know, providing better value to them and just producing a better show right? A better podcast. And so I would not, I would not probably bring that in-house from the very beginning if I was doing a weekly show. You know, I was doing a daily show. I knew I had to, you know, just because we were producing so many shows and I had enough work, you know, for numerous people. Absolutely. Are there any specific channels if we want to just find, you know, and that one or two good production company that's good fit for a weekly show? Are there any like kind of channels for us to find those production teams other than just Google podcast production team, you know? Yeah. And that's difficult. So I interviewed numerous groups when I first was looking through that. Some of them can be very expensive. And I would also say that it's a podcast. You want it to be quality, but you're not producing a Hollywood video here, you know? And so there's no reason to spend $500 produce one show, right? I mean, it's just, there's no reason to do that. You know, it's kind of like, you know, spending, you know, people spend 500 bucks on a mic when, you know, my $70 mic here, you know, has produced over a thousand shows, you know, been interviewed hundreds of times now, all these things on this $70 mic. And it's because your USB port is the weakest link there. And unless you have a mixing board and things like that, it's as good a quality as it's going to get, right? It's producing just as good a quality as that $500 mic is, unless you have a lot of other things happening, but it's not necessary for a podcast, right? It's just not necessary. And so that production side, you need people that know what they're doing. You want it to be quality, no doubt about it. You don't want, you know, just mix-ups. You don't want it to, like people aren't going to listen, right? If they can't understand what people are saying and whatnot. So it's, it's important to think through that, right? You can go from one scale to the other. If it's somebody, you know, obviously I can give some recommendations there or people that we've used, but yeah, I would say do some searching. There's definitely some podcasting Facebook groups as well that would probably be very helpful, you know, in finding that production company. But yeah, through some quick searching, you're going to find some groups. And, and I'm happy to help you with that, maybe outside of recording a little bit as well, or just, you know, recommending a few to check out. No, absolutely. This is super helpful, Nate. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show. 
brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.